there's some misunderstandings going on. Primarily, uh, we read about the question here is, why can't these disciples cast out this demon from this poor afflicted child? You know, and the scribes and Pharisees were constantly looking for reasons to, uh, to discredit uh, Jesus and his work and his teachings and the disciple and the, and the message that the disciples were carrying out. They were constantly looking to discredit him. And so maybe they found opportunity here and said, see, look, multitude of people, look at this poor afflicted boy. Look at this sad state that he's in and look at these poor, pitiful, powerless disciples. And they can't do anything. And I imagine some of the people in the crowd probably thought, hmm, they've got a pretty good point. And so that's the scene when Jesus comes up here. This is what's going on. And Jesus gets there and he asks this crowd, he asks these scribes, he says, why are you questioning these people? Why are you questioning my disciples? And out of this multitude, the answer comes from a father. A father who the Bible tells us has one child, and since this, uh, since this uh, man's child was just an infant, he, is, he has been afflicted. What we would probably, what we would probably identify as is just incredibly massive epileptic, epileptic seizures where he just goes into these great fits. And the Bible says that, uh, that uh, he, he's, he foams at the mouth and he wallows around in the floor. And, uh, you know, there's times that uh, this demon that, that has possession of him, that he will get close to the fire and, and the demon takes control of his body and he tries to destroy the boy by casting him into the fire. Or he, he'll see the edge of a cliff or he'll see uh, a pool of water and he'll try to cast that boy in there. Now, for any of you that have ever had to take care of somebody that has had long, you know, uh, affliction issues that are long term, you know that can be taxing and trying, right? And you know that this this father he mourned and longed for a relationship with his son that he see, that he sees all the other fathers and sons having, but yet his day is one hundred percent devoted to this young man, constantly dealing with him and making sure that he's safe. He can't sit down and have a conversation with him. He can't talk to him about how much he loves him. And the boy understands this boy is in a fierce, fierce affliction. And he has taken this boy to the disciples whom Jesus has given authority. If you go back a few chapters and read that Jesus has given the authority, he says to cast out all manner of sickness and disease and demons. And yet they get to this boy and nothing's working. Well, the scribes jump on that and say, see, see, this was all just a big magic act. So I don't know how they've been doing it, but their magic's run out. And here's this hopeless father. So look at this. Look at the people that are present. You've got a, a, an angry mob of scribes and people. You've got a hopeless father. You've got a severely afflicted child. And you've got these disciples sitting there scratching their heads saying, I don't know. You ever had a doctor tell you, I don't know what's wrong with you. Here's the disciples saying, we don't know what's, what's not working. We, 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 we have done so many things. We have cast out so many devils. This is nothing new to us. But we don't know. So you've got some very confused disciples here. <clears throat> and, and the father gives his explanation of what's going on with the child so they bring this child to Jesus. And Jesus, when the boy and the demon inside of this young boy, the Bible says when it sees Jesus, in my mind, I feel like 
the demon is about to show out. He's about to show out and say, let me just really show everybody what I can do. And it says, and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground, wallowing and foaming. So in the midst of what we've got going on here, all of a sudden down goes the boy. He's foaming at the mouth. Imagine if that was your child. I have two sons. Imagine if that was your son or your child and just in the midst of all this, it goes to the ground and he is flopping and rolling and convulsing and foam is coming out of his mouth and he's gnashing at his teeth. What a scary, hopeless moment, right? And I think the demon's just showing out. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? Now, Jesus knows the answer to that question, right? But I think there's some things that we can learn from that that we'll look at in just a minute. The end of this set of passages, I want to I address these disciples, something we can learn from these disciples first. At the end of this passage, we know that the Lord cast out the demon. At the end of this passage, the disciples come to him still scratching their head and says, why couldn't we cast him out? You gave us the authority to cast these things out. But yet we couldn't cast this one out. And Jesus says to him, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. There's a couple lessons that I want us to look at before we move on to this father. One danger that we all face is that we can get so consumed in our gifts and our ministry That we forget to take time for personal sacrifice and prayer with the Lord. You see, what Jesus is telling him there is like, yeah, I've given you a gift. But you don't need to forget that your prayer time and your personal sacrifice will help assist and strengthen that gift. But you've got so caught up in your ministry That you have, in a sense, forgotten me, the one that fuels your ministry. Now, I can say I've been guilty of that myself. There have been times that I have studied hard all week and I've looked through these scriptures and I've combed through these scriptures. And Sunday morning comes. You know what I realize? I have yet to pray about the service that's coming up and the preaching that the Lord has called me to do. Now, I may have prayed about a bunch of other things. But I forgot to pray that the Lord will assist me in the gift that he has given me of preaching. I know men that are so consumed with their ministries that when you talk to them, all they want to talk about is my ministry, my ministry, my ministry. But you rarely ever hear them talk about the Lord. This is what we've got going on over here. Oh, let me show you about all this we've got going and this and let's talk numbers and blah, blah, blah. And never mention the Lord. That's somebody that's got sidetracked by their ministry. I know primitive Baptist preachers that what they want to talk about is how many meetings they've been to, how many associations they've been to, how many this, that, and the other. But you rarely hear them mention was the Spirit of the Lord there. You see, sometimes we forget to stop and pray and spend some time in quiet with the Lord because He is the one that has gifted us. With whatever gift he's given you in the Bible, if you're a born again child of God, you have a gift. It may not be preaching, but you have a gift and all the members of the body have a gift. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect that gift by neglecting your prayer life. 
That's one lesson that we can take from these men. It says this can come out by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. They had forgotten that the Lord was the one fueling their gift. It's also interesting that he asked, how long has it been? How long has this child had this demon? You see, one thing that we know from the scriptures is this, that not all demons are equal. Do you remember the passage where it talks about that the, the demon leaves? <clears throat> the demon leaves the man, he leaves the house, and he goes walking about to and fro, and he comes back and he finds, he finds the house is unfurnished, and he says, I'm going to take seven more spirits more wicked than me to go back into that house. You see, not all demons are equal. There are some very powerful demons. And there are some that are not as powerful. But what we're dealing with here is not only one that is very powerful. We're dealing with one who has been there a long time. So what's the lesson that we can take from that? The longer something inhabits our minds, the harder it is to get rid of it. People that have dabbled in pornography for years, that's a hard thing to get rid of. As opposed to somebody that's dabbled in it for two days. People that have have had excessive alcohol consumption for years, it's harder to get rid of that than a guy that's tried it one or two times. You could go on and on and on. The longer something's with us, the harder it is to get rid of. Don't ever forget to pray for, for your gift. And don't ever forget that the best time to lay down sinful habits is now. Amen. Let's look at the Father for just a minute. <clears throat> The father is interesting to me, and it's easy for us to beat up on him. But the more I've read this, the more I realize at best I would be this father. But I would probably be worse than him. But the statement that he has there that has boggled me for years is Jesus says, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? That's like saying, I see it. Where is it? Doesn't make sense. I believe, Lord, but help thou my unbelief. One thing that God's people, I think, have been mistaken for on the subject of belief a long time is this. They see belief as being a light switch. They see belief as going over here and it's either on or it's off. But that's not the way the Bible describes belief. You'll hear people uh, uh, incorrectly say, if you will just believe, cut the light switch on, then you'll go to heaven. Well, that's not true at all. And I can prove it to you by the Bible a thousand different ways. Belief is not a light switch that goes on and off. Belief is a dimmer switch. Are you with me? Belief is a dimmer switch. And you guys know what I'm talking about. It's a switch that you can cut these lights on and they may come on just a little bit. But you continue to turn it and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. That's the way belief works. Now, why do I know that belief is not the requirement to get you to heaven? Because then we have to ask the question, what percentage of brightness of your belief is required? Because here this man says, I believe. But in another way, he's saying, oh, but that belief is weak. And I've got doubts. 
You know what Philip told the Ethiopian eunuch? If you believe with all thine heart. See, he's saying the dimmer needs to be turned up. And I go through my own personal experiences and I can tell you there's times that my belief is very faint. And there's times that my belief is great. So belief is not a light switch, folks. Belief is a dimmer switch. And right now, this man's dim, uh, brightness of his belief is low. And I've told you this before. What's the relationship between faith and belief? Faith is given to you by the Spirit of God in the new birth. We can prove that by the Bible. It says uh, in Galatians 4, chapter 6, it says, Because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. So the Lord, because you already are a child of God, gives you the Spirit of God, and that makes you His temple. And Galatians 5.22 tells us the fruit of that spirit, one of the ninefold fruit of that spirit is faith. Where you find faith, you find the spirit of God. Now, what is belief? Belief is the byproduct of faith. And I, I use this example and I hope it works. I've used it here before. Imagine a flashlight with batteries in it. Imagine a flashlight without batteries. You will click that button as much as you can. There's no light. But you may put batteries in that thing and that, that battery will generate light when that switch is flipped. Without faith, there'll be no light. Without faith, there'll be no belief. But what happens when you spend three hours out in the yard looking for something you've lost at night? Over time, those batteries tend, uh, will decrease in their ability to produce that light and all of a sudden you've got a very dim light. You see, faith is not a light switch either. The Bible, the Bible talks about men having no faith. That's the unregenerate man that's never been born again by the Spirit of God. The Bible talks about little faith. That's when your batteries are just about gone. Like this father. The Bible talks about great faith. And the Bible talks about dead faith. Faith is never dead, but the evidence of it is. We can, get, we can have batteries in our flashlight and they'd be as dead as a doornail. And even though the battery is there, you can cut the switch and nothing comes out. It's because our faith is dead, right? The evidence of it is dead. <clears throat> now, this father's, the brightness of his belief is very, very low. How do we know that? <clears throat> because he puts a two-letter word on front of his um, a statement to the Lord, and that's if. He says, oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. That's a low faith right there. His batteries are low and his light is not shining very bright. So much so he gets to the foot of the, of the Savior and he says, if. He didn't come to the Savior like some of these other people of great faith you know there was a man of great faith that said lord you don't even have to come to my house to heal if you'll just say the word and what does jesus say oh what great faith but this man says if if you are able because look my experience with your disciples over here i don't have a whole lot of faith i've seen what they can do and now i've seen what they're not able to do so my hope is fading fast if you can do something. You see, this man's faith is very, very low right now. Our belief, our faith is like a roller coaster throughout our life. There are times that we have great faith. 
there are times that we have little faith. Remember what he told the disciples uh, as they're tossing and turning in that ship and they come and said, Lord, save us, we perish. And what did he say? Oh, ye of little faith. Guys, your light's not shining very bright. Your batteries are down, man. You need to be charged up so your belief can shine forth and all the world see it. When Peter stepped out onto that boat, off of that boat, onto that water, boy, his light was shining bright, was it not? But boy, it didn't take long for his batteries to to discharge. And he went from great faith to little faith in an instant. It's a roller coaster ride. Let me leave you with this. There are things that God has given us to strengthen our faith. My exhortation to you this morning is this. Do not wait till you're in the middle of a battle to sharpen your sword. And don't wait until you're in the middle of great turmoil to try and strengthen your faith. Strengthen your faith before the tribulation comes. How do I do that? What did God give us to strengthen our faith? One thing He gave us is preaching. Did you know that? Romans 10 says, um, uh, Romans 10, 17. Let me turn over there so I don't misquote it. Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now that does not mean faith comes into existence. Faith comes into existence when the spirit of God comes into you. But faith comes into appearance when you hear the preaching of the gospel. And there's something about that that waters that seed of faith that God has put in there and allows us to shine that light forth. A seed is very present in the ground, but the sun and the water bring it into appearance. And so the gospel brings forth the evidence of our faith and strengthens our belief. I hope you're listening to preaching. I hope you're listening to it on Sunday morning. I hope you listen to it throughout the week. The Lord also said that his works strengthen our faith. Jesus says, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works. At least let the evidences of my miraculous power strengthen your faith. Why would he say that? Well, one, for his own glory, but two, because your faith needs to be strong when you walk through this world. Because hard times are going to come and doubt is going to come. You're going to find yourself with some version of the afflicted, foaming child. And in those moments, don't go to the Lord with an if. Go to him and say, Lord, I've prepared my faith for this very moment. I've strengthened it with preaching. I believe because of the works that we have recorded. You know, what? one of the most beautiful things the other day, we were talking with our kids about some things. <clears throat> and Hank wasn't feeling very good. And, and Tiffany and I got down with him and we just prayed with that little guy. I said, Lord, I pray that you'll just help this guy feel better. When he wakes up tomorrow, Lord, I just pray that he'll be refreshed and feel himself. And the next day, Hank started feeling better. And you know what he did? He came to me with tears in his eyes and he said, Dad... It's hard not to believe when the Lord answers your prayer. Isn't that beautiful? You see, what Hank was doing was looking at the works. And it strengthened his faith. The Lord has given us the Scriptures. He says, search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. He says, and they are they which testify of me. 
These are witnesses. You hear me? These are witnesses that stand up and say, believe it. It's true. The works say it, he lives. It's true. The, the preaching says he lives. It's true. The scriptures say he lives and it's true. And one more thing that really, really hits home with me. That is a great witness that strengthens my faith. And that's the very creation we walk around on every day. We sat down with the kids the other day and I said, you know, guys, let me just tell you something that's really been on my mind. And I asked them this question. I said, guys, if God did not create us, where in the world did we come from? Now, I know there's men that have that have these these bizarre theories to try to to try to write God out of creation. But I want you to think about this. I want you to take this glass, for example. Do you know how that glass came to be? Somebody made it. There's a glass here because there was a glass maker. This pew that is down here, the pew you're sitting on, a man took his hands and his equipment and his machinery and he fashioned it and made it. Where there's a pew, there's a pew maker. Right? Where there's a clock, There's a clock maker. Where there's a phone, there's a phone maker. And where there's a person, there's a person maker. And where there's a tree, there's a tree maker. And where there's a sun, there's a sun maker. Where there's an ocean and a sea, there's an ocean maker. Where there's dirt on the ground, there was a dirt maker. There's a rock maker. There's a heart maker. There's a brain maker. There's an eye maker. And our bodies are so, so intricate and complex It didn't just happen that way. That is a masterful design by the person maker. And when I just when when the devil floods into my mind, he says, Luke, can all of this really be true? Do you really, really believe that there was a that there is a God who sent his son to die for your sins? Do you really believe there are mansions prepared for you in heaven? Do you really believe the testimony of these scriptures? Do you really believe all of that? Because Luke, it sounds really far fetched. All I got to do is walk outside and look up at the sky and say where there's a moon, there's a moon maker. Amen. And if I can believe God can create like that, I believe every other word in this Bible. And if it tells me that he came and died for the sins of his people and he's gone to prepare a place for me, I believe that. And when tribulation comes and I find my own version of the lunatic in my life, I hope I step into that with a great faith because you'll need it. I encourage you to strengthen your faith through hearing preaching, through studying the scriptures, through looking at creation. And I pray that you look at the times the Lord has answered prayers for you. Don't sharpen your sword in the middle of battle. Have it sharp before you get there. Amen. Learn lessons from the lunatic. Learn lessons from this disciple, these disciples' lack of faith and lack of prayer. Learn lessons from this Father. Because it's something that we all can benefit from. I hope that's been profitable to you. And please, please pray for Brother Tim as he comes.